Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard Church. Uh, if you're joining us online, want to welcome you virtually. If you're in person, I'm glad you're here worshiping with us in person. Uh, for those of you who don't uh, know me, I am Jeremy Pleasant. I'm the senior pastor here, and I want to welcome you. I'm glad you're here. So this week, uh, you heard in the announcements, but this week we have Spirit and Life Night. Um, it's happening Friday. Um, it's looking at the weather forecast. It's supposed to be a beautiful night. And so I want to encourage you to come out and join us as we seek God and, and then we seek uh, uh, Jesus and, and, and his healing and freedom and, and, and this time just to be intimate with, uh, 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 with them together. And so I just want to invite you to that. Uh, we had a great one last month and, and really looking forward to it this Friday. So today we start a new series called Looking Forward. And it's a three-week series uh, looking at how uh, the, the book of Philippians, especially in the last couple of chapters, teaches us how to look forward, how to, to look onward. And so today, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, what it means to bring focus to what God has put in front of us and, and look towards that. And so we want to understand how not to be held back from what could be. We want to look at uncertainty and how we press on amidst the unknown, discovering for ourselves what it means to know Christ and him crucified so that we can take hold of him as he has taken hold of us. And so uh, we're going to get started with Philippians 3, uh, 3 through 14 today. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. And, and, and then he follows on in the next couple of verses to actually list on why he's confident and, and, and those efforts and the things that he's done. And then he says in verse, seven, in verse seven, I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward, straining to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through, through Christ Jesus is calling us. So in this, this passage that we just read, uh, Paul is talking to the church in Philippi uh, because they had some, some, some Jewish Christians, some, some, some uh, professed leaders that were telling them all these things they had to do in order to be right with God and to be accepted in, into God and into uh, the kingdom. And, and Paul was like, look, if there is ever someone who is qualified to talk about this, it's me. And I'm telling you, that's not what you need to do. Instead, this is what you need to do. And, and so he kind of unpacks that in these several verses. Um, but I, I want to look at several parts of this passage and, and, and how it, it impacts us today. And so he says, taking hold of Christ as he has taken hold of me. 
to know Christ, to know him in his death and in his resurrection. And so this language we have is this language of union, a union that he's like, I, that I have with Christ and then I seek after with Christ. It's a language of intimacy. When he says to know Christ, he's not talking about knowledge of Christ, to know about him, to know facts about him, to know about his life, to know the things that he said, but to know Christ Intimately, the word know here is, is, is like the way one knows someone else's spouse. There's, there's a deep intimacy there. He says, I share with Christ in his death, but I also want to share in this new life to experience a resurrected life. To experience that now, this is what I look forward to. That's what Paul is talking about. He's like, I share with him in his death, but yes, I also share in his new life. And I can experience that life now, and I look forward to experience that life. And so I want to look through a couple of phrases he said, he says, being taken hold of. And so when he says, like, I, I, I have been taken hold of Christ, you know, that can, that can mean a lot of things, and, and depending on, on our stage of life, and, you know, this can be like a conversion experience, right? When, when we are first experience Christ for the first time, and, and what it means to, like, to know he's real, and that experience of deciding to follow him, you know, that's a moment of, of being taken hold. Another way of, that we can be taken hold is, is when Christ became so real and tangible, like a moment, and sometimes that happens pre-conversion or post-conversion, where, where Christ just becomes so very real, and the words we see on the page, the stories that come out of Scripture, we know they're real because he's taken hold of us. And then there's, you know, the, the, the desire to want to be taken hold of. You know, there are some who just, you want something more than the natural world can offer. And so when you see this phrase being taken hold of, that is what Paul is, take, is talking about, being taken of, of, of something that is far more than this natural world that often we're seeking. And then he says, okay, so I've been taken hold of Christ, and so I grasp onto Christ. And so how do we, how do, we do that? What does that mean? It, you know, as we grasp onto Christ, we're, we're seeking his face, we're, we're seeking his touch, desiring and seeking out intimacy, knowing how he has taken hold of us and wanting to do the same with him. Knowing that our soul is hungry. So when our soul is hungry and we're grasping out for Christ, it's like we're grasping for straws. We're grasping for the only thing that we know can sustain us. Many years ago, uh, the family, so my, my siblings and my parents, we, we, uh, were, we were out on this family vacation and we're hiking in, 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 the, in the mountains and, and we come to this waterfall and it's a beautiful, beautiful five-mile uh, five hike with this wonderful waterfall. And so we, uh, we jump off this, like, this little mini area cliff, and, and we jump into the water, and it's just, it's just great. It's, one of the, I, it's still one of the best times I've ever had. And I remember when my sister Keisha jumped into the water, and for some reason it surprised her how deep it was, and she started flailing, and then my brother Traven was already in the water, and she just like grasped onto him and just held him tight, almost dragged him down into the water with her so that she could stay afloat. Even though she knows how to swim, she was still grasping for him to stay afloat. 
And so I think about that image of as, as she was like grasping my brother and, and what, what that means for us to, to grasp onto Christ for dear life. He says to know Christ crucified. And so as we think about grasping Christ, when we say we, to, that when Paul says to know him crucified and that we should like want to do the same thing to know Christ in his death, that means we're not releasing this grasp on him in our suffering. We don't release it then. That we don't release this hold of Christ in the distance. When at times it seems that he is far away, when it seems like we are the furthest we can be from God, that we still hold that grasp onto him and that we do not release this hold in the silence when it feels like he hasn't spoken in a very, very long time. Instead, we, we, we hold on and we have this expectation of this resurrected life. He says, I want to experience Christ and, and his death, but also experience Christ and his resurrection. And so that seems like somehow I can experience what Christ did, that, that bringing back walk to life, I can experience that now. And, and, and he's saying that we can experience that now. And so that in this expectancy, we are waiting for the dead things in our lives to come alive, hoping for the intimacy we've been longing for. And so I have, a, I have a few questions for you. Where do you find the more intimate moments in your life? If you can imagine that kind of intimacy with Christ, what would that look like? How can you translate that into a pathway forward? Where do you find yourself most discouraged in walking with Christ? What keeps you focused on what's discouraging instead of what's exciting? If you can look forward to one thing, what would it be? Where do you sense Christ is leading you to hold on tight and wait for something new? What do you need to do to tighten that grip? Lastly, where, where, do, you, where do you find yourself flailing in the wind? Where do you find yourself needing someone to take hold of you? If, you, if that resonates with you, I, I ask, is, is that maybe Christ calling out to you, saying your name, wanting to give you his hands as an anchor to hold on to? In verse 6, that, that we skipped, as I said, Paul was listing all of his accomplishments. He says, like, if, if I am the Hebrew of Hebrews. I've, I've followed the law. I am faultless when it comes to the law. I have done all these things. If there is someone who knows what they're talking about, it's me. But then he said, it's all garbage. It's rubbish. He basically just like set it on fire. He's like, none of that matters in comparison to knowing. And remember how we talked about the word no to knowing Christ. And so he says, I am straining ahead. And this word straining is an interesting one because it, 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 it thinks about the effort of what it looks like to, to strain ahead, to continue to move forward, to continue to look forward. I think about one of my favorite movies, Space Jam. All right, do you remember Space Jam with the Looney Tunes and with Michael Jordan? I know, you, I know you've seen it. You had to have seen it. If not, you should watch it today. So in Space Jam, we're, we're looking towards, okay, so I'm actually going to give you a spoiler here, so sorry about that. Anyway, so in Space Jam, at the end of the movie, 
you have all, uh, you have the Looney Tunes like grasping onto Michael Jordan so he doesn't make this final shot and, and they kind of tumbled on, on top of him so he couldn't do what he needed to do. And then he just stretches out, this is make-believe obviously, he stretches out across the entire court to make the game-winning shot at the end of the buzzer. But it's, it's this idea of when everything is around you just straining forward, not looking at what is holding you down, but straining forward, stretching out toward the goal that God set before us. And that's what he says, forgetting what's behind. It's like an athlete, and the, 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 the language he uses, the metaphor he uses is like an athlete who's not looking back at who's behind her in a race, but keeping her eyes focused on the goal, forgetting what's behind. And so it's not to say that what we did in the past doesn't matter. It's not to say that our accomplishments are moved. That's not at all what I'm saying. That's not at all what Paul is saying here is that none of that matters. He's like, but what matters is, is not reveling in that. It's like what, what matters is, is not finding our value in that. What matters is looking forward. It's not about what was, but what is and what is going to be. Often, we don't look forward because of the failures and disappointments of our past. But guess what? Today is a new day. What has been doesn't have to be once again. It can be something new. He didn't list his current work as something to be proud of, to, to rest on, but ultimately, it's knowing Christ. So what we've had in the past and what we've done is important. It is good, but we don't stay there. We have to move forward. And I'm not saying there's no value in it, but the problem is, is when we get overvalued, right? That, that's the problem. We overvalue our accomplishments. When we overvalue what we've done because we've made it about, we've made our value about what we've done. And so when Christ is saying, hey, leave that behind and actually knowing me, is actually much more valuable. It twists everything we understand in our culture on its head because our value is not in what we can do. Our value is in knowing Christ. And in knowing Christ, he will lead us to do that which is the most rewarding for our souls. And so finally, I want to look at something else that was going on in this passage as Paul is writing this. And we're, and we're going to come back to this later. Paul says all of this, but we need to understand the context of where Paul is writing this letter. Paul is writing this letter to the church called to the Philippians while he is in prison. And his time in prison is not like, Oh, he's serving five years. And then he's going to be out. He actually doesn't know what's going to happen. He may live, he may die. He is, it is an uncertain time, an uncertain place that he is in right now. And yet, he is still looking forward. Still looking forward. Uncertainty is a fact of life. Instead of trying to control it or mitigate it, we must refocus, press on, and wait expectantly for what's ahead. And look, that doesn't happen automatically. It, it takes intentional strides to do that because uncertainty has a way of making us like want to figure things out so that as we can figure things out, then we know how to move forward. 
so we know that when that we're okay to move forward so that we're okay to hope we find ourselves being okay to hope when we can find certainty in the things around us. And what, what, what scripture is teaching us is that that's not how it works, is that we can hope and look forward in the midst of complete uncertainty. If we imagine the relationship of grasping onto Christ as he held onto us and we press into that imagination, we will find our certainty in him. We will find everything we need to look forward in him, waiting for what's ahead, because we know, as Peter says, that he cares for us, that he cares for us. And so if you're, if you're checking this out today, if you're listening today and you feel like you are flailing in the wind, that it's, that it's hard for you to imagine looking forward. This, this imagery of holding onto Christ as he holds onto you speaks to your heart, speaks to something deep inside you that is wanting more, that is wanting a life that is beyond what you, that, that, that is beyond what you have now. I, I want to encourage you to, to get in contact with us. See, because to know Christ is to know this union, this experience of heaven even now. And so we, we want to talk with you to, 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 to see what it looks like to discover a renewing hope of life and intimacy that's found in Christ. And so reach out to us, and one of our pastors would love to talk with you about this journey and what that looks like for you. Let's look at a couple practical tips. All right, number one, earlier I asked you some questions. I want you to take these, I want you to go back to them. I want you to take these questions and answer them, uh, answer them this week in prayer as you converse with God about what it means to look forward today. Okay? And so you can find these questions at vineyardbr.org slash practice. But the, the, those, three, those three questions, take them with you each day. Do one each day and, and work through it in your prayer this week with God. Number two. Make a list of the uncertainties in your life right now that have you stuck or anxious, unable to look forward. Now, make a list of two to three things that have, that have, you, that have excited you recently. And then tear the first list into many pieces. And whenever you find yourself in that uncertain place, bring your mind to that torn up paper and then move toward the new list you created. So right now we're going to enter into a time of communion where we get to experience the living, resurrected Jesus as we are seeking that own, our own uh, resurrection in our own lives and how communion can help us meet Jesus at the table for that. And so Pastor Nikki is going to lead us into communion. Have a great week.